0: Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scores and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great in this episode i want to lay out how white supremacy actually works in america because even many very smart people are confused about the basic mechanics and i want to say you know it's easy to look out at america and see lots of black and brown faces, even some or even many, in positions of authority, whether they be politicians, business leaders, or celebrities, and conclude that white supremacy isn't really a big thing. You could think, hey, you know, racism exists in America, but it exists everywhere, and it's not as bad as most people think. So first of all, I want to start by saying that I think everyday racism in America is less now in 2022 than it was 50 years ago, 30 years ago, even maybe perhaps 20, 10 years ago. But first of all, that's not saying that much. You know, going from basically an apartheid terrorist nation, you know, pre the civil rights movement to something less than an apartheid terrorist nation isn't a huge improvement. Also, many of my black and brown friends routinely tell me that they are subject to overt and also subtle forms of racism routinely on a, you know, weekly basis. And these are, you know, black and brown people who are professionals and middle class And again, even if you're a poor black and brown person, you shouldn't be subjected to racism. But again, these aren't. These are people in professional classes who are still subjected to racism pretty routinely. And again, subtle um, forms, covert forms, but then some pretty overt forms, too. Um, In addition, you know, even if racism is a little better than it was, you know, again, in, in the past, the key white supremacist power structures are largely intact. And even if they have been weakened, white supremacy is still the dominant cultural societal structure in America. So, before getting into greater detail, I want to admit that white supremacy means more than simply white people are the only ones to get to hold most of the power and that the law has to favor white people over others. I think this is where a thing people get tripped up. Because again, you see non-white people in positions of power and then you also see plenty of white people get put away, you know, um, behind bars and you know and, and 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 go to jail and prison. So it's not the issue of Individuals, it's the system, it's the proportions, it's the dominant power structures and the groups that they favor. Because white supremacy in America has never been simple, right? It's, you know, it has taken many forms over centuries, but it's not a simple thing. And its complexity is part of the purpose to confuse people. And so that someone, again, who can be well-intentioned and intelligent, might look out and think it's not that bad. So let me go on and say that white supremacy has been intimately intertwined with two other elements of American society for 400 years, and that is plutocracy and Christian nationalism. Let's start with the Christian nationalism part, right? Because this is the part that's really almost the other side of the coin of white supremacy. They're really... You know, they're one and the same. Because when the right wing talks about America being a Christian nation, this is part of the white supremacy underpinnings because, in their view, white Christians are the only legitimate Americans, and everyone else are inferior or second-class citizens. In their view, Jesus, a man from the Middle East, and I have been to the Middle East, right, has blonde hair and blue eyes, right? That is just historically not true. There is no question that the true historical Jesus did not have blonde hair and blue eyes, right? He was, uh, you know, a likely a pretty dark-skinned, you know, dark-complexioned person because that's the native people to that part of the world. But not only is Jesus blonde hair and blue eyes and looks like he was born in Norway, but angels are sterling white. God is an old white man in the sky, et cetera, et cetera, right? So for white Christians, Christianity is really about white identity, right? But with a religious lens, all the power structures of divinity from God to his son to the angels are white, blonde hair, blue eyes, Aryan. So again, white supremacy and Christian nationalism are two sides of the same coin. And notice that although many black and brown people are Christians in America, they aren't the ones leading the charge to claim that America is a Christian nation. It's white evangelicals for whom religion and white identity are one and the same. So moving on from the kind of religious element, the second is is that white supremacy has always, and I mean always, for 400 plus years in America, and on American soil, that was you know, predates the country, has been a tool for rich whites to concentrate power and distract poor whites from the true sources of their poverty. You can read both fiction and nonfiction from 200 years ago, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, and the themes are always the same: getting poor whites riled up about some other group to then blame for their problems or some other group that they can feel superior to so that rich whites can take all the money. So before taking a break, I want to be clear that white supremacy in America is a constellation of factors and influences that privilege rich whites above all others and often uses the Christian religion as a placeholder for whiteness. So white supremacy in America is about promoting Christian nationalism and strengthening the power structures that allow the plutocrats to further enrich themselves and insulate themselves from the legal system and any forms of accountability, i.e. to allow them to do whatever they want without restraint. Now, of course, all countries grapple with inequality. All countries grapple with abuses of power and unequal treatment before the law. This is not unique to America. But in America, those challenges have a uniquely racialized and religious lens, which I'll unpack a little bit more after the break. One thing the American dream fails to mention is I was many steps ahead to begin with. My skin matches the hero, lightness, the image. America feels safe with my music and their systems in a suit of me perfect. The role I fulfilled it. And if I'm the hero, you know who gets cast as the villain. White supremacy isn't just a white dude in Idaho. White supremacy protects the privilege I hold. White supremacy is the soil, the foundation, the cement, and the flag that flies outside of my home. White supremacy is our country's lineage, designed for us to be indifferent. My success is the product of the same system. Okay, so I want to start this section where I kind of unpack the details a little more with you know a recent episode that, that really motivated this this, you know, this topic for this episode. And a, a good friend of mine, who's incredibly smart and very politically engaged and astute, remarked that, you know, how is it that Republicans in Georgia are going to vote for Herschel Walker for Senate, a black man, in such a racist state? And that occurred to me that that, that thinking, that like, oh wow, you know, Georgia Republicans voting for a black man, that's weird, and that made, you know that motivated me to do this episode because it's not weird you know weird at all. And once I unpack this, you'll see that white Republicans um, voting for Herschel Walker is entirely consistent with white supremacy and makes a ton of sense. Now, first off, before getting into those details, I just want to say Herschel Walker is a serial abuser of women. He is on you know that he was on record there. Are, he's not even contested this of having put a gun to an an ex's head and threatened to kill her. I mean, this dude is really a horrible human being. And it's just a kind of crazy thing that these days it almost seems like violence against women, like extreme violence and abuse of women is almost a prerequisite for running for office for Republicans in certain circles. Of course, not all. But there's just a lot of really hardcore women abusers who are both running for office and achieving higher office. And, of course, the former president who, you know, raped and abused dozens and, uh, you know, is, of course, uh, you know, the the exhibit A. He is also completely unfit in every way to be a mailman, let alone a U.S. senator. Right. Herschel Walker is would if he Wins, which I don't think he will, and hope you know that he will not, and I'm gonna try hard to support Warnock so that he does not, would probably be the least qualified senator in modern American history. I mean, he is a complete and utter whack job and should be nowhere near the halls of power. Now, coming back to the topic at hand here, though, yes, Georgia Republicans by and large are deeply, deeply racist. So why would they vote for a black man? Because this black man supports white supremacy. And here's the key. White people absolutely love voting for black and brown people who support white supremacy, right? Now you might ask yourself, how can Herschel Walker support white, white supremacy? He's a black man. It's incredibly easy. You have to realize that given how racist the right wing is today, there simply aren't that many black and brown people attracted to it, right? Yes, there are some, and Trump did better with black and brown people in 2020 than 2016. And I'll get to that in a future episode about why certain black and brown people are being attracted to the Republican Party these days. But for opportunistic black and brown people, Joining the right wing provides an amazing opportunity for advancement. You get treated extra special if you're a diehard black or brown Republican. right? In the Democratic Party, it's not that big a deal to be black and brown because we have many people and that's the core constituency and we have many black and, black and brown legislators and you're not going to stand out. But you're going to stand out, for example, if you're a hardcore black Republican in South Carolina Just ask Senator Tim Scott. Scott is a smart man, and he has a secure Senate seat that he can likely hold for life, a Senate seat for life, and he's a young man, as long as he reliably supports white supremacy for his entire career. The moment Tim Scott tries to take on the plutocracy, to do serious racial justice reform, to promote voting rights, he'd be out in a second. But lo- as long as he's a reliable vote for white corporate power, he's safe and secure as can be. Lifetime job. Because there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that rich, white, powerful people like more than having black and brown people do their work for them. If the Republican was Party was populated exclusively with black black and brown people making the case against voting rights, making the case for unlimited money in politics, for tax cuts for the wealthy, for anti-LGBTQ laws, against environmental regulation, that would be their dream come true. Then rich white people could sit back in their country clubs, playing golf, counting their money, and then who would call the right-wing racist? and all of its main political figures were black and brown. Nothing makes the white power structure's lives easier than having black and brown people out in front fighting for their interests. That is why the right wing absolutely loves Clarence Thomas. He's a two-bit legal scholar. He's a nobody. He's a serial sexual harasser who is married to a certified right wing lunatic. But in the GOP, he's a star because there's no bigger defender of white supremacy than Clarence Thomas. He's opposed to voting rights. He's for unlimited money in politics. He's against all environmental regulation. He is basically the plutocrat's white supremacist dream come true. He is such a twisted, pathetic figure that he likely thinks that he holds deep principled positions. But in fact, he is doing the white man's bidding and throwing justice and his black and brown brothers and sisters under the bus for his own ego and personal advancement. He is a true monster. Now, this brings me to an important point. If you believe in true equality among people, which I do, then it means that there are no groups any better, but also not any worse morally or otherwise than other groups. This means there will always be plenty of Tim Scotts, Herschel Walkers, Clarence Thomases, Condoleezza Rice's who see a road to power by parroting white supremacy and supporting plutocracy. And they may be so twisted that they actually believe what they are doing. Remember, people of all stripes, all colors, all genders, all nationalities, all religions are good at rationalizing their behavior when it leads to personal advancement and power. So I'm sure Tim Scott think he thinks he's a principled person, although it's hard to imagine how he could, given that he didn't even vote for the impeachment and conviction of Trump. But he probably thinks he is, but facts and objective reality show that he is not. He is just a tool of white supremacy. Now look, black and brown people are as susceptible to the corrupting influences of power as anyone. So the key point here is that white supremacy doesn't require that only white people hold power, but that only those who support the white power structure support hold power, which can include black and brown people, Asians, women, etc. This is who, how white supremacy in America works because the basic mechanisms are simple. I'll come back with the antidote right after the break. Equal rights and justice for all Rise and never fall Tell himself, boom What they gonna do When none for them not true Say what they gonna do Them get new, yeah Who do you think you are We're living in a small world As wicked as you think you are Small way. As bad as it seems you are, we live in a small way. As bad as it seems you are, we live in a lot of alright That will come. Okay, so the antidote for today is in order to assess white supremacy, you have to do it not by the faces of those promoting a policy but what the substance of the policy is, right? So does the policy increase or decrease democracy? Does it increase or decrease justice in the legal system? Does it reduce or increase corporate power? Does it increase or decrease income and wealth inequality? If it decreases democracy, makes the legal system less fair, increases corporate power, or increases inequality, then that it is in support of white supremacy. If it does the opposite, it's in support of true multiracial democracy. And it doesn't matter the color of the skin behind the ideas. Because again, the dream of all white supremacists is for black and brown people to be out in front making the case for white supremacy. It makes their lives so much easier. And white supremacists will turn on white people in on a dime if they don't support white supremacy. This is why Joe Biden, an old white man, is hated by the right wing. It doesn't matter that he's old, old and white. It doesn't matter that he's a Christian. It doesn't matter that he's straight. What matters most to the right wing is that he doesn't support white supremacy. And for that, he can never be forgiven. Because for supporting white supremacy is how you become a member of good standing of the right wing, whether you're black and brown, a man or a woman, or any other creed. It doesn't matter. It's do you support white power structures? That's all that matters to the right wing. And that's why Herschel Walker will be voted for by the majority of white Republicans in the state of Georgia. That's why Clarence Thomas is such a hero to the right wing. Because, again, having a black man do your work for you is a white supremacist dream come true. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Great start to the summer as I'm launching this on uh, the summer solstice, my favorite day of the year. And uh, stay safe. Take care.